I'm Emily Sanchez, and this is Turn the Corner, episode 105, Friends and Family of Those in Crisis. This is Turn the Corner, a podcast about finding what it takes to turn a corner in your own life, to experience more joy, more resiliency, and more growth. We are transitioning from any adversity we may have experienced, so let's go. Hello, hello, everybody. How are you doing? I hope you are doing so well. I hope this podcast or YouTube, if you're joining us there, um, finds you happy and fulfilled and loving life. Um, Today, I wanted to talk to the family and friends of those in crisis. Usually, I'm talking to those in crisis. (laughs) Today, I'm talking to the family and friends. And I'm talking any type of crisis, whether it's divorce, I talk about that a lot, whether a loved one died, whether um, you've received a really terrible diagnosis or a friend or family member has received it, whether it's substance use of any kind, I want to talk specifically to the family and friends of those involved. We all experience this. So this is for everybody today. And I came up with 10 key ways that family and friends can help a loved one during their time of need. And a lot of these are super simple and some are not so simple. (laughs) So some I will fly right through and then others I won't fly so much right through. So let's get right to it, folks. The first one is active listening. What is active listening? It just means to be a compassionate listener, to listen with both eyes looking at the person, not checking your phone, but to really be listening with your eyes and ears. Let them express their feelings without any interruption, no judgment. You're just there listening. So that's number one. Number two empathize. Put yourself in their shoes. Say things like, I can't imagine how hard this must be for you. Sometimes this is hard because their problem is so far away or so far removed from us. We can't picture it, but just try. Say things that show that you care and that you're just there. Sympathy looks like, oh, you poor baby, or it's, I'm glad it's not me. Trust me, I've heard that. Or jumping to tell them something that you're struggling with. I actually know someone like this. It's very hard for me to talk with her about anything I'm struggling with because she will somehow try to one-up me every time and make it about her. So don't be that person. Just try to empathize for now. Okay, number three, meet them where they are at. What does this mean? This is a social work term. I heard this my first semester in school in my program so much about meet them where they are at. Well, that means you don't try to solve it. You go to right at the level that they're at. Maybe they're not in a place where they even want to solve it, or they don't want to think about that. You don't tell them what they should do and what you've seen work, right? That's another level. That's jumping where they are not at. (laughs) And you want to meet them where they are at. You can offer practical help but you ask them what they need. So you have to find out actually where they are at. You don't try to guess, okay? So meet them where they're at is number three. Number four, stay connected. 
This one is simple. You just got to regularly check in on them, even if they don't reach out, because isolation can worsen crisis situations. Uh, my husband is so good at this. He's just the best at this. He will reach out even if they're not texting back. He'll send food there to make sure that they are fed. He's really great at this, at just being there and staying connected, checking in on all of his friends. He's really, really good at So kudos to him. Let's be more like him. Okay, number five, respect boundaries. Hey, it's hard sometimes, especially if we're a parent or spouse. I've seen um, understand, right? If they need space and time alone, everyone copes differently. This can be really, really hard if we feel like they might be in danger. Of course, if you feel like someone is a threat to themselves or others, it's gotten to that point, you might need to not respect their boundary and take it to the authorities or the proper um, channels to get that resolved. But most of the time, even if you are worried about them, if they've told you they need space, you do need to honor that. Okay, number six, avoid giving unsolicited advice. This is hard for me because I'm a problem solver, but it's natural. It's really natural to want to help, but we have to avoid telling them what they should do unless they ask for advice. So this is the empathy piece. We just are there. We're sitting with them. We're mourning with them. If they ask, then we can jump into action. Okay, number seven, be patient because recovery takes time. Uh, whether that's substance use or recovery in a relationship or recovery with a spouse that's passed on or they're trying to grasp a diagnosis with substance abuse, there might be relapses. Or in relationships, we've seen relapses where they go back to the person we feel is hurting them and we want to do what's best and so we aren't patient. All right, but we have to be patient and realize that there will be those ebbs and flows in their crisis. So if you're a true friend, you'll just be there. All right, number eight, stay informed. If their crisis is related to an illness or like a specific issue, educate yourself to better understand their situation. And when you've done this, they feel that and they feel loved that you are interested so much that you to educate yourself a little bit more about it so you can talk and understand more. Number nine is an important one. Stay calm. Your own emotional stability can be reassuring to them. It's probably why they've reached out to you because they need something stable. So try to remain composed in their presence. I know a lot of people who are in crisis, they'll bring in a support system person and they come in there and they just start crying and sobbing. That doesn't help, even though we want to so bad. I remember one of my best friends had a very, very scary um, illness and was in the hospital right after giving birth to her daughter. And she had some blood clots that were in her legs and had traveled to her lungs. She almost died. And I went in there and I remember trying so hard to compose myself. I knew that if she saw me weeping and wailing that it was not going to do well for her recovery. So I went in there and I saw her and her presence shocked me because she looked so bad. And I also remember I took my younger brother 
who is really good with movie quotes and just a great hearted person. He just went in there and tried to make her laugh. I think he stuck chopsticks in his mouth and was like a walrus. And it brings tears to my eyes because that made such a difference to her that he was just in there laughing and joking with her and trying to make her happy as this innocent teenager that he was at the time. And she always, she has a special place in her heart for him because of how he was there and reacted. Wow, I didn't think I'd do that today, but that's okay. Okay, so number 10 is our last one. Certainly not the least. I'd say it's the foremost. Do not enable them. And you know what this means. Allow their problem to be their problem. As much as you want to help, you can't take it from them. This actually can eat away at you. So giving money or resources that will feed into the problem could make it worse. Unless you feel like it's a certain problem, you could give money or whatever they're asking for, some sort of resource, and you say, this is what I'm giving, and you hold your boundary around that. That's great if you feel like that could be something that you could do and give. But be careful because a lot of times our love as unconditional as we think it is becomes conditional if we enable in this way. We think, we start to think because we're humans that by giving in some way, let's say it's a bunch of money, we're okay. We're going to pay for your rent while you get over this. Well, We think that by us giving, we're going to get a result and we're going to see it in them. And that's dangerous to do in someone with someone that's in recovery Uh, because then we start putting stipulations on it. Well, I'm going to give you this money only if you use it towards this, this, and this, and, or I'm going to do, right? Because then we saw (laughs) not work what we thought was going to work. What I'm trying to say is we've got to let go and just be there for them in other ways. A lot of times we forget to look at the broader picture if we're wanting to give these resources that if we do, it actually could make things worse. It could make the problem worse. There's a story of Mel Robbins. If you know her, uh, she's very, very popular in the coaching world and self-help world. And she had a podcast called the let them theory really really great i recommend it go back and listen to that the let them theory is very simple you just let them (laughs) she shared a story of uh, her and her husband were in really bad financial strains and her husband reached out to his brother asking for money to support his um, restaurant and his brother said i love you and i can't do it i can't do it because i love you It was just a good example of seeing the broader picture, showing unconditional love, but also a love that we want them to truly get better. So we have to analyze what our might be enabling, right? Which is really hard because we interchange enable with unconditional love. No, it's truly not unconditional. I heard a long time ago when I was in my social work program, by a really great supervisor who said to us, don't work harder than your client is working on their issues. And I really think this would be good to apply in any situation as family members and friends of someone in crisis. 
we who are not in crisis will jump up. We'll find all the resources. Oh, I'm going to solve their problem. I'm going to work so hard. I'm going to put all this effort in. I'm going to make them better. I'm going to make them better. No. When we're working harder than the person in the crisis, it doesn't support their autonomy and their self-reliance and their self-efficacy. It actually diminishes it, which makes them less likely able to solve their problem. I know that's a tough one to swallow, but it's truly a gem. Don't work harder than they are working with their issues. So basically what I'm saying is be there, be a support, be a listening ear, check in, have empathy, don't judge. That's it. Okay, my friends, that is the message today. Go out there and spread your world, your personal world, the influence that you have on others and make it a little bit better. All right, make it what you want. See you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Hey, one way you could support friends or family going through divorce is by taking a look at my new divorce course. It's called Overcoming Divorce. If you go to the description in this podcast, you can click on my link and it will take you right there. Thank you guys. Bye.